praise you, Lord, I praise you. Oh, I praise you. Yes, I praise you. How I praise you, my precious Lord. I love you, Lord, I love you. Oh, I love you. Yes, I love you, Lord, I love you, my lovely Lord. You are worthy, Lord, you're worthy. So you're worthy, so worthy. Oh, you're worthy, most holy Lord. Oh, the heavens and Praise the Lord. Before we go into God's word, shall we just close our eyes one more time and ask the Lord to break his word and feed us. If God does not feed us, then we're going to go empty. So let's just close our eyes and ask God, Father, we ask you, Lord, that you would feed us, O Lord, tonight. Break your bread, your living bread. Break it, O oh Lord, and feed us. Lord, you know each one of our hearts. You know where we are in our relationships with you. And you know what we exactly need. The same word you can feed to each one of us according to our needs, O oh Lord. And I pray that you speak to each one of your children. Lord, those who are at home watching, those who are going to watch during the week. Lord, pray and those of us who are here we ask you Heavenly Father that you will speak to us O Lord speak to us O Lord Lord for we will listen and I pray give us a beating heart may we not be forgetful hearers but may we truly be doers of your word make Lord full use take advantage of what you have provided for us O Lord we thank you Father I come against all the forces of darkness every demonic spirit that is working against your people from hearing the word tonight. I bind it in Jesus' name. Take victory in Jesus' name. Every demonic spirit that is trying to scatter the thoughts of your people, bind them in Jesus' name. Take victory in Jesus' name. I ask you, Heavenly Father, may your word become plain to your people, O Lord, easy to digest, O Lord, and I pray. We bring forth much fruit. May nourish, Lord. Nourish your people, O Lord, Jesus, wherever they are lacking. May it really fill them up, O Lord, Jesus, in those areas. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord. I especially pray, Lord, for people, Lord, who are trying to reason with their minds as you are showing me again and again. Pray that you reach them in their minds, O oh Lord. Reach them in their minds, O oh Lord. Lord, in their intellectual level, I pray, Spirit of the living God, that you reach out to them. May your word become so plain, O oh Father, so simple, so alive, they may give their heart and their soul to you. May it touch their minds and go into their hearts, O oh Lord. May it never stay in their minds. I pray. May it go deep into their hearts. Bring forth much fruit. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's um, 
Turn to the book of John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And we're going to re read about the story about the Samaritan woman who went to Jacob's well. Some of us, we might know the story, some of us, we might not. But that's okay. It's good for all of us to read whether we know it or not. So let's go ahead and read from verse 4 onwards. John chapter 4, verses 4 onwards. Jesus had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. Verse 8. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. Verse 9. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Verse 10. Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you, and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And I'm reading from uh, the New Living Translation. So verse 12, And besides, do you think you are greater than our ancestors, Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? 13. Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Verse 15. Now this woman is hearing the description Jesus is giving about the eternal life, eternal water, and she says in 15, Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again. I won't have to come here to get water. 16. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. 17. She says, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the one you are living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshipped? Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship. Well, we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. 23. But the time is coming, indeed. It's here now, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. 25. The woman said, 
I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. 26. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. 27. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, What do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God, who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits for both the planter and the harvester alike? You know the saying, one plants, another harvests, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you did not plant. Others had already done the work. Now you will get to gather the harvest. 39. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, He told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village, so he stayed there for two days long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he indeed the Savior of the world. He is indeed the Savior of the world. What a beautiful passage that we see. How Jesus, even though he was God in flesh, he says in the Bible that he came primarily for Jewish people. We know every place that Jesus stops, he has a purpose. He never randomly stops. He never says, okay, I'm tired. I'm just going to go sit by this well. He was tired, but he made a stop very specifically for that one woman, Samaritan woman. Even though her name is not mentioned in the Bible, her story is enough for us to get enough details to show the love of God toward that one woman. And this woman, if you look at her life, you will see, you know, if you would have read it, just as we read now, that she was a very sinful woman. She was not like the Virgin Mary. She was not like Elizabeth and Zacharias. She was not like Abraham's wife, Sarah. This woman had a very bad past. Even in those days, back in those days, if she had that many husbands and living with a man who was not her husband. She was pretty bad. You know what Jesus did? He went to see that one woman to stop, to talk to her, to reveal himself to her. That is the love of Jesus Christ. If we think Jesus Christ, he just comes to condemn, then we are wrong. Condemnation only comes to people after they receive the word and they reject it. If this woman would have said, I don't care what you say, 
You may be the Messiah. You may have living water. You mind your business. I will be coming every day to this well and drawing water of the well, and I'm going to carry my own pot and go. You want water, I will give you water. That's enough. You go your way, I will go my way. If she would have done that, she wouldn't have received life from Jesus Christ. God, no way, would have stopped there and continued his conversation with her about who he was. The revelation came to her. You know why? Because even though she was sinful, her eyes were not opened until Jesus came and sat before her. Until Jesus came, he revealed himself. It was as if like a whole new world was open to her. She was just sitting, not knowing who she was worshipping, what she was doing. All she knew was, okay, Samaritans worship this way. Jewish people worship this way. I don't know why. That's what she was talking to Jesus. Jesus asked, worship. You know why we worship? We worship because we worship to worship God. And it depends on who we worship. So we can have a temple. Say, we can have a temple right in front. We can go to a temple. You can either have a statue inside a temple. You can either have a Hindu idol in a temple. You can have a Buddha statue in a temple. You can have either a Quran in a temple. You can have whatever you want in a temple. Will that make a difference? Yes, that would make a huge difference because whatever is your object of worship is going to determine who you're actually worshiping, whether it's a lie or whether it's a truth. Now this woman was supposedly regularly worshiping God on that mountain she was saying Samaritans worship here, but she really did not know who she really needed to worship. And that's where Jesus says, you don't know, woman, you don't know what you're worshiping. I'm here to tell you what you should be worshipping, who you should be worshipping, how you should be worshipping. That's what Jesus said. His whole focus was how and who you should be worshipping. He said you have to be worshipping God who is spirit. And they that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. So you need to have a spirit in one hand, a truth in the other hand. If you don't know the truth, if you don't know who God is, if you really don't know who that eternal being is, then you really cannot worship. You cannot worship. We can have some ritual. We can go to church week after week. We can, you know, take Holy Communion. You know, we can, you know, have some uh, confirmation classes. Or we can go to a party. Or we can even take baptism. You can, we can even go and take baptism at a church where they say they're all believers. It will not do a single thing to you and to me personally. You know why? Because I really don't know what I'm doing. Just like the Samaritan woman. I'm just following because my parents taught me. I'm just following. I'm just following. Just doing. But it doesn't make sense to me. In my mind, you see Jesus over here? He's actually explaining it to her. He didn't say, okay, woman, you don't need to know anything. I am Messiah. That's all you need to know. He never said that. He's explaining. He's reasoning. He's explaining to her who he is. Look how gentle Jesus is. He's explaining to her how worship should be. How we need to really come before God. What kind of worship he actually accepts? Spirit and truth. So, if we need to worship him in spirit and in truth, we really need to have truth. Without having truth, we cannot really worship him in spirit and in truth. And that truth is the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's what Jesus did over here. He just revealed himself as the truth. The truth to the Samaritan woman. He said, I am the Messiah. I am 
the great I am. I am Jesus Christ, who is the Messiah. I am the truth in a body. That's what Jesus said. I am standing right in front of you. You know what I can offer? You're coming for regular water, right? You're just coming for water to drink. But I have something over here that can really offer to you to an extent that you will never feel thirsty again. Now she's coming in the heat of the day. She's carrying a pot and she's coming to the well. She's taking water. She has to go back. Every day she has to come. We don't know how many miles she walked. This sounds like a good plan to her. She says, okay. Now, if he's going to give me the water and this water is never going to run out, then I really need that water. So I don't have to come to this well anymore. I don't have to make this journey, tiresome journey. I don't really have to make this effort to come in the heat of the day. I can completely bypass this. I can be comfortable. That was her level of thinking. Jesus says, you want that water? Go call your husband. Jesus was so good. He was so gentle. He was so, I can say, like considerate and even respectful in one sense. He never said, woman, you are a sinful woman. You're living with a person who is not your husband. I'm not going to give you anything. He never said that. He said, go call your husband. And you see this Samaritan woman. Though she was a sinful woman, at this point, when she is facing a prophet that she thinks, yes, at that point her eyes were not fully open. She knows something is happening. And she is not covering it up and she's saying, oh, you know, my husband died five years ago and I cannot bring him right now. He's in the grave. Now, what do you want? Can you just give me that water? She never said that. One thing God is looking for is honest confession in his presence. That's what she did. She made an honest confession. She said, Lord, I don't have a husband, which is true. She did not cover it up. She didn't say, okay, my last husband died, or my husband, you know, he ran away, or she didn't come up with her own stories like many people do that, right? They want to save the image. They want to preserve how they look in front of other people. So some of them, they go to an extent where they paint bad pictures about the other people. Some of them try to make their own story, try to make themselves look good. But when we come to God, first thing God will require from our hands is honesty. If we are not honest with God, before God in His presence, He cannot do a thing in our lives. He cannot work anything in our lives. So the first thing we see in the life of this woman is honesty. She could have had a lot of other sins in her lives in her life. But when she came before God, when he asked her that one question, and he said, it was actually a command. He said, go bring your husband. She's telling God, Lord, I don't have one. And she is trying to say something that she was actually bitter about. She was lacking in her life. You know what? She was lacking morality in her life. She was not moral. She was lacking truth in her life. You know why? Because she did not know the truth. But Jesus comes right before her, in front of her, she says. You cannot really live a righteous life because you can't help sinning. A lot of people say, I try to be good, but I can't help sinning. Jesus says, when the truth comes into you, when the spirit of truth comes into you, 
he sets you free. It's like a bird that's tied. The feet of the bird is tied. The bird is not able to fly or to walk. Then a person comes. He unties it and then the bird flies. That's how we are. Sin binds our feet. Sin binds our feet to itself. So we're not able to walk. We're not able to do anything. We're not able to do what we think many times is right. But we're not doing it. In our heart, we know what we're doing is wrong, but we want to present a better image about ourselves. We say, I'm going to make myself look good. That's the best I can do. But I know inside myself, my heart, I'm like a sepulcher. I'm like a grave. If you open a grave, you know how it looks. You can have like a beautiful marble tombstone on top. You can make a big, beautiful little church on top with a cross on top. But once you dig that out, what do you see underneath that? You see bones. Depends on how long the body has been decomposing inside. It could be completely gone for many years. But on the whole, you see deadness underneath. You see dead bones. You can see dead flesh. Depends, like I said, upon the time. But outside it can look like a beautiful, beautiful tombstone. Somebody, if they don't know if it's a graveyard, they can even think that it's like a little church. That's how many people portray their lives. On the outside, they look beautiful. But on the inside, they know. That tombstone, do you think it knows underneath what's there? The person who put that tombstone will know what's underneath that. So like that, in your heart and in my heart, we know who we are, really. The real person who's inside, we know. And God knows. So when we go to God, we tell the Lord, Lord, I want to, re I want to read uh, verse 16 and 17 with you again. If you can please look at 16 and 17. Jesus says, go and get your husband. Jesus told her. 17, she says, I don't have a husband. The woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly speak the truth. So God says, you're really telling the truth. You really don't have a husband right now. And before that, this was your life. So now she says, okay, my life has been exposed. Whatever was inside, the external was removed. Underneath, whatever bones were there, it was brought out. Now the real me is outside in front of me. I have to face it. So she says, you must be a prophet. Verse 19, she says, sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshipped? Now you look at this. Look how well she's trying to now switch to another question. She answered when Jesus asked, and after Jesus said, you don't have your husband right now. You had five before. After he says that, you really spoke the truth. But he still gave her a command. Her, her goal was to get that living water, right? That was the purpose, that she wanted a water that she could have, that she will never feel thirsty anymore. So for that, Jesus gave her work to do. Now she says, Lord, I'm unable to do the work because I don't have what you are asking me from. And then she says, she talks about 
spiritual things now. She says, Lord, I think you are a prophet because you know what's happening with me. And so she says, Jewish people say, you know, they worship here. Samaritans say, we worship here. But Jesus looked at her. She said, okay, I will answer you even that. Now you're asking me something different. I'm not going to say, hey, you're diverting the question. You're changing the topic. How crooked can you be? You don't see Jesus talking like that to her. Jesus knew exactly how to get to her heart. He said, believe me, I'm going to answer you your question. And I'm going to take that question right back to where we first began. That is the beauty of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the compassion and love of Jesus Christ. And you know what? Jesus saw her heart even before she came to the well. He knew that this woman was going to come because he was God. He knew he was going to give her the word because he was God. He knew her heart. He knew that she is going to be a woman who is going to give her life over to the Lord. Jesus never makes stops for people who are going to waste his time. He's never going to say, I'm going to go randomly, you know, go to the seashore or go to the marketplace and talk to a few bunch of people about the living water or about how to make fish or buy fish. Jesus never does that. He's very intentional in his communication. When Jesus communicates with somebody, something will happen. Something has to happen. Something must happen. prayer, please contact us at prayer at LBFL International Ministries .org. That's prayer at LBFL International Ministries .org. Or you may phone us at 001-845-360-0534. Once again, 001-845-360-0534. You may write us at LBFL International Ministries PO Box 966. Goshen, New York, 10924, USA. On the web, please visit us at www.lbethelinternationalministries.org.